dark save for light being cast from the big tv screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning hey george hey lions how's it going uh oh this feelings episode i am now testing negative for covid which is exciting it took like a long time it was like 15 days i think 14 days viruses science science yeah um speaking of science uh nobody listening to the last episode had to hear 90 minutes of me going yeah that's true yeah just 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 the one guy and uh i mean screw him like whatever he's he's bald they're not people Um, if i could edit things out of your experience of our conversations (laughs) (laughs) that would i would be doing something different with my godlike powers well, and and also too, like there's a lot more ethical ramifications to that. Like they, Rick and Morty did an episode on it, you know. Yes, it's just, that's true. That <laughs> that's exactly what that is. If it's just like, oh yeah, you know what? It's like you just say something terrible to me. I'm like, what the hell, man? It's like, yeah, actually, hang on, I'm just gonna like, do a little step, step. Oh, do a what? <laughs> Don't worry, you won't remember any of this. Lambs to the cosmic slaughter. But uh. <laughs> that's- such a sad oh my god i'm I'm kind of glad that the latest season is like um a little less sad nihilism Dark. all the time like there's just sort of interesting sci-fi stories it's a, I, I hesitate to call anything in rick and morty lighthearted, but it's less comparatively yeah l- l- yeah comparatively well, I mean, it, it, to be fair, I mean, good on them for doing what they said on the tin because, you know, Rick said, like, welcome to the darkest year of our adventures, Morty. You know, and then and then they did that. They were like, it got really dark. And then, you know, now it's a little bit lighter. Now they've got Mr. Nimbus. <laughs> they do have Mr. Nimbus. <laughs> um, before we get into this, should we shall we show? We shall show. Uh, so if you like what we're doing and you want to support us, uh, you can find us on the Internet. Uh, contact form. Games are playing links in the show notes easiest ways on the website uh the show still has a twitter account uh the after show we're finally going to get around to talking about twitter so if you want to figure out how to get into that you can uh become a patron and all patrons get the after show which is just more show but sometimes it's about video games and sometimes it's about other things and if you support at any level you can find that in your ear holes but if you want to get your name shouted out on the show, then you got to support us at one of the higher levels. And if you're one of those cool people, we will shout you out right now. First, with our 8-bit classics, Kevin, John, Jason, Yarno, and Jacob, and our 16-bit hero, Michael. And if you pay us $1,000, we will do a one shot of a liquor of your choice. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's so much riskier than I think you realize. It is, but it's $1,000. It so, is $1,000, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. That, but what it I, can't kill us it has to be like yeah USDA like something approved. you can buy legally and, yeah um, you know <laughs> but would i drink another shot of malort for a thousand dollars i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that just the name of that man it, it does sound like the sound i think you make after you drink it you know it's like more yeah yeah no it's uh it's uh, it's like onomatopoeia liquor <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i uh i I, I don't know what what we would drink, but but again, for a thousand dollars, 
as as I said to somebody recently, there is a price for everything. Yeah, yeah, I I do admit it, but I'd I'd probably do a shot of more for a thousand dollars, and someone can find out if they give us a thousand dollars. Exactly, uh, you know. Let's 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 do it. <laughs> um, so we have a mailbag question, like we like to do in these episodes. Um, and I'm going to read the question as it was posed to us, and then I'm going to ask the actual question that we have to answer because I don't think the answer to this one is is terribly exciting which is uh when are you gonna get to xbox games and the the answer is most of them are actually not old enough yet because we have our arbitrary 20 year cutoff that we decided um so soon like we could start playing xbox games soon but the truth is i don't think either of us played very much xbox so we would need to get uh listener requests so Listeners, if there's some Xbox game that's coming up soon and you really want us to play it, like now's the time to request it because in the next few years, those games start aging in. It's not aging out, aging in. Yeah, a- aging out of us not being able to play them. <laughs> there you go. So my my question to you then is the, the follow on to this. Have you ever played? Oh, you wait. I know one Xbox game you played. You played Fable. I did play Fable. Wow. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Um, yeah, I played Fable like very briefly in the sense that I think one, one of my roommates had it. Like one of either, mm-hmm. you know, ro- ro- roommate A or roommate B, you know, to not name name roommates. But it was either <laughs> uh, the, the one who completely ruined Smash Brothers Melee for me or the nice one. Um, I, that, I think it that, was the Smash Brothers one, actually. I, I think it was the Smash Brothers one. But, you know, um, but, but anyways, those two. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I did. I did play Fable, and I, I remember being like, "Oh man, this is really cool." I really liked the uh, the uh, morality, the way that morality actually did slowly, not just like you know, like on a dime. You know, you're good or evil. It's like no, you're just slowly becoming evil or slowly becoming good, and that and that was pretty cool. Um, but outside of that, no, I mean, I didn't didn't own an Xbox. I, I, it, my nostalgia goggles for Xbox was that. Xbox hit the scene and it was all about first person shoot, mostly Halo, you know, so it was all Halo all the time, all day long, like, like Halo and Madden, you know, and so the, I just at the time I was not into first person shooters at all. Like I, I didn't play any, you know, to the point where when Fallout 3 came out, I actually remapped the controls in the dumbest possible way <laughs> because I didn't really understand like what they were going for with the trigger buttons. Um but uh, I say all that to say that, yeah, you know, uh, so the people that I knew that played that, we didn't really have a lot of a lot in our Venn diagram of samesies video games to talk about, you know? Yeah. And I'm in the exact same boat, which I realized later in my gaming maturity was like, oh, I was I was like kind of a gaming bigot. Like I just yep. assumed when someone said like, Oh, I have an Xbox. I was like, oh, so you just play Halo and Madden. Like, those are the only two video games you know, and you're just, that's the kind of person you are. And I I, I think back on that, and I'm like, that's sort of embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. No, I was definitely somewhat of a, uh, like, a gatekeeper in the sense of it's like, you know, I, I, I would think that if, like, a guy walked up to me and said, you know, oh, I, I you know, I play games. I'm like, oh, what are you playing? He's like, oh, I have an Xbox. So, and it's just like, you know, it's. I know stop listening because you know you don't really play games and 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 when you think back about having that type of thought and now the vitriol that that raises to me now I'm like ah, well you know as somebody wiser than my, me once said if you don't get embarrassed by your actions when you're younger then you are not as mature as you consider yourself to be it's true 
Uh, I will personally give the thumbs up to Halo because when the Master Chief Collection came out for PC and it had all the, uh, I think the first three games came out at launch. Um, I played through the first Halo because I was like, I feel like this is a game I miss, right? Like this was a big part of gaming pop culture. And it's funny because now it's a completely unremarkable first person shooter that has like a pretty decent story. But what made it revolutionary at the time was like the radio menu for choosing weapons and how like smooth it was and how much freedom of movement you had. Like that was previously that had been reserved pretty much exclusively for PCs. So to do that on a console was like, Whoa, but (laughs) going back and playing it, you know, nearly 20 years later, it was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. This must've been a really big deal at the time. And now it's like, not still (laughs) like still a good game, but not the revolution. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's exactly like the experience I had going back and reading Lord of the Rings, you know, where it's, you're back and you're like, all right, this is like a less than stellar D&D book. Like, <laughs> what's, the, what's the draw here? You know, and I'll it's take like, my Dragonlance. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, th- th- thank you. I, I think R.A. Salvatore did it a little bit better than Tolkien <laughs> did, you know? <laughs> yeah. At least one person just clicked unsubscribe. Yeah, right. They're like, I just... This is not what I came here for. I can't even accept these jokes. <laughs> it's not funny, man. Uh, but yeah, no. And then when somebody's like, uh, no, um, uh, the, the, the first thing, uh, Tolkien, then d and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, man. That makes way more sense. Oh, I mean, thank God for Tolkien. Tolkien's amazing, you know? But uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so it, yeah. <laughs> somebody should be like talking this dude up. Like, is he famous or something? You know, we should... Uh, <laughs> Just get the word out there. Maybe get somebody to direct some movies. Maybe turn one book into three movies. Anyways, but <laughs> moral of all that being is that, yeah, sometimes when you go back and you look at the game that pioneered the thing, because I mean, even looking back at uh, Goldeneye, you know, I mean, Goldeneye kind of, if not pioneered, was one of the pioneers of the like uh, uh, online um, or couch co-op shooter, you know, of like, yeah, that my memory of that time is that that was sort of reserved for like land parties, right? You linked up and you all played quake or whatever. Right. Right. And, and so again, PCs only. So to have four friends playing the same thing on a single console, not four PCs networked together, but one console was like, Whoa. Yeah. Everybody's like, Oh my God. I mean, now when you go back and play, you're like, Ooh, this is uh, a little rough around the edges, you know? Which that's another insane thing. You, if I remember correctly, with the original Xbox, you could hook two Xboxes up to each other on different televisions to prevent like screen watching. So, like, basically, you could have a LAN party with your Xboxes if the game supported it, which I think maybe the original Halo did, which is why I have like any memory of this even being possible. (laughs) But it's just with how ubiquitous online gaming is now to think back like oh yeah that's why the gamecube had a handle on it so it was easy for you to unplug it and carry it to your friend's house to play video games yeah yeah no it's uh (laughs) it's i I think i mentioned this uh in one of the other episodes but but basically long story short was uh uh you know man i have not been been a a good uh, keeper of your gaming experience because you have not played Castlevania, you have not played Super Mario World, you haven't played, you know, like there, there are games that you need to play, son, that you, you know, you need to understand. So I was like, 
So I said Castlevania, original Super Mario, and OG Mega Man. Like Mega Man, NES Mega Man, right? <laughs> NES Art Mega Man. I was like, we need to play these. And so uh, uh, he said, oh, okay. Are they? He goes, are they one player or two player? I'm like, all oh, those are one player games. And he goes, oh, so they're just online play then? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, because he's used to us going through the the games in the PS5 library of the you can download games on your thing and it'll say like two player co-op or then two player or like up to six players online. So sometimes it'll say, you know, up to six players and takes like, oh, we can download that. I'm like, no, that's that's online play. That's not going to going to work. You know, so when I said, oh, it's just one player, he's like, oh, so can you just play online? Then I was like, <laughs> I was like, Teddy, this is before the internet which is something you have no frame of reference for like i, I just I, it, it just shocked my brain but anyways yeah so there are definitely some things where you look back and you're just kind of like oh yeah that was how we dealt with that like now if you want to play starcraft you just go on the battle.net and you find some people and you get your butt kicked before you had to go to the computer lab after school and have like <laughs> Have your, and, your and seven then sit other in that math class with the kid who kicked your ass and try to learn how long division works, but you're just looking at him out of the side of your eye like. Mm. <laughs> and also too, uh, and I know that this isn't you. Well, this is this is the the, the gimme episode, but uh, uh, yeah, a note on screen watching. Uh, <laughs> it's a completely legitimate tactic. Totally legitimate. Know? It's right there. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing is that you you're going to, it, you've got two options. Either a, um say look you can very easily see my screen and i can very easily see yours so we are both going to look at each other's screen and use it as a tool to maximize our ability to play the game or you can spend tons of time policing a thing that's impossible to police and you know and at that point it's like you were looking at my screen it's like no it wasn't then how'd you know i was there it's like or just you were looking at my screen yes we have already agreed that that is a thing i can do ah yes well good show good show cup brother you know and then like move on with life right it, it disincentivizes a fairly small number of strategies, right? Like camping and hiding out in like certain little crevices and stuff, which granted those can be fun things, but it is, it is. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's disingenuous to say, Oh, this information that is right in front of me, I promise to never notice it or factor it into any of my decision-making. Like, it's just, that's not realistic. It's right where you're looking. Well, especially, especially the more the more you are likely to need the information, the more likely you are to use it, right? So, I mean, you know, could I go forego screen watching if I'm winning handily? Probably, but then the other person's going to want to because they're losing spectacularly, right? So, it would be just like if you're taking the SATs and somebody said the answer to all of the questions are written on your desk, but I need you to not look at them. I'd be like, the sure, answer to I, all the questions are written next to the question. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd say like, all right, sure. I'll, I'll try not to look at that. But then all of a sudden when it's like, man, this, this question is a real thinker. And you always dart over to the side. And you're like, ah, well, you know, there, there goes my morals. <laughs> well, I guess I just won't go to college. Yeah. So what, what are you playing and why should I care? So I finished Near Automata, which I don't remember if I had finished it the last time we recorded one of these. Um, no, I don't think so. I, I don't want to go into great de- detail about it. I just wanted to say in in full uh, view of the microphone, um, you should play it. Uh, it's good. The ending, um, I, I won't spoil it, but like 
the thing that you remember hearing happens thematically, like that is basically what happens. And it is dripped out in this really interesting way that even though I knew it was coming, it was still really painful to live through and, and like actually experience firsthand. Um, the only thing that's a tiny drawback about the game is is a little bit longer than I realized when I was getting into it. And then I was like, right, this is essentially like an action JRPG. So there's a lot of story. There's a lot of side quests. There's a lot of crap you can do and discover and explore. So my recommendation would be play the game on normal right up until you hit your first like uh, moment and then just crank it down to easy. And then you're now you're watching a movie, right? Like, because the combat's fun and it's challenging, but I think the game is is a must play for the story and is a should play for like the mechanics and the action and stuff. So the second the mechanics start to make you kind of like you know looking doing the the side eye meme at like a different <laughs> different game, yeah. just crank it down to easy so you can get through the rest of the story. Um, it it's, the, it's, uh, it's good. Out of curiosity, um, do you know what the game's rating is? Offhand? Oh, uh, no, you, I would not play this game with Teddy. Ah, bummer. I, I don't, I don't think it's mature. It's probably teen, but there's pretty much nonstop violence. And because you're dealing with hordes of robots who are relatively new to sentience, some of their responses are like, haunting in a way that might be difficult for a child where they're like crying out in agony as you shred through them with your giant magic katana so it's it's not like i mean there's basically no blood there's a little bit but there's there's virtually no blood because it's all robots um there isn't like sex or drug use even though all the characters are dressed in their weird lolita costumes but it's (laughs) it's uh there would be some things that he would not understand, but like the performance of the dialogue would probably be tough. Well, and and, and also too, is that the, the, the only real justification I would be able to say of, you know, like, Oh, well, you're, you're you know, killing all these robots. It's like, ah, but you know, they're robots. They're not, they're not people. It's like, ah, but they are persons. And they are you know, persons. Like and some of them look exactly like people. Right. So it's just kind of, like, Oh, well, you know, it's not like blood and viscera. It's like, yeah, but that's the, the, I, I think that, and I think that that's something that it's very easy to to stray away from mentally, which is it's like we think of violence as blood and guts and all those sort of stuff. Because, but I think that the the more important thing is it's like you are causing pain to another life form, and that's violence, you know. So just because the you know like they're spilling oil instead of blood, you know, like it's still that's still a problem, and I think that that's the mentality that i would want to to drive into you know the next generation is that it's not about whether or not it looks human it matters whether or not it 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 you can empathize with it whether or not it it can feel pain you know like one of the big red flags for a sociopath is like tortures animals yes yeah complete lack of empathy yeah and i think that one of the things i saw that was interesting kirkstad did a video on it where they said basically is you know should should robots have rights right and the answer was well it's complicated because everything's complicated right you know um but i the, the interesting thing was that they they made the premise that um humans have rights because we feel pain you know and so therefore it is a fundamental right for you to 
seek to minimize or escape pain and seek pleasure, right? You know, like that. that's, and it, all the rights we have kind of circle around that, you know, like people, you can own property because being, having your property taken from you would be painful, you know, so therefore you can have property and all this sort of stuff, right? Um, I say all of that to say that they said, so if the robot can't feel pain, if we never program it to feel pain or it does not program itself to feel pain, then ostensibly no, they wouldn't have rights. But the real problem is that the people who will need to answer this question are absolutely the least, last people in the world you want to be wrestling with it because they'll be the people that own the machines, right? You know, and it's like, and we have a terrible track record with this kind of stuff, right? So I was just kind of like, yeah, this is, this is going to get real messy. And, and, <laughs> and for the future robot uprising, I want Teddy to be already equipped with the fact that like, that's a person, you know? <laughs> and I'm a person. Please don't kill me, Mr. Robot. Yeah. Yeah. Look, 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 robot. Like uh, that, that, that was somebody else. Like, don't, 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 don't hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, playing your automata. Um, apparently that is the most popular game in an already running series, but you don't need to have played any of the other games to understand that game. Um, I'm also playing God of War Ragnarok, which I'm like further into than I realized. I'm like 14 <laughs> hours in and uh, yeah. You started playing it yesterday, right? This morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, honestly, I'm not enjoying it as much as I enjoyed the first one, which is not to say that I'm not enjoying it. It's just like they tweaked a few things mechanically and in how the world is laid out that just makes side content feel a lot more like a chore and and i noticed entirely because when i got to this new area the way it was laid out and the way they interwove story into the side content i was like ah this is nice why haven't they been doing this all along <laughs> so I, I don't know if it's just the way i was approaching problems was making it less engaging or whatever but the, the main story is great and the gameplay is basically identical to the first one so if you like the first one you probably like the second one. Um, and the story is still fantastic and incredibly performed and just, you know, lo lots to love, but it's a, I think I did myself a disservice playing this right on the back of near automata because it's two big budget story, heavy action games with like lots of violence, then lots of heart, then lots of violence, then lots of heart. And it's just like, Hey, okay. It turns out like 50 or 60 hours of this back to back is a little much. <laughs> right and so then at that point you're just kind of like like tired you know exactly you're just just like, tired. you know you're like i can't like it's good it's heavy and i've been lifting this heavy thing for some time and now i just wanted something you know light i wanted to go for a run as opposed to you know doing kettlebell lifts for the <laughs> nth time you know but it's like no nah, man more more kettlebell more, more kettlebell, kettlebell. <laughs> uh and finally uh i am playing final fantasy 14 right now um uh our 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 twitch mod uh, is that that, the, the, like the mmo that one? is the mmo yes ah. so uh how do i sum this up quickly so uh i introduced uh my my twitch moderator tiny panda pow to the final fantasy series and she got super into it and i said oh there's actually several i've never played so uh, since you are going to play them all, I will go back and play the ones I never played with you. And then I, I can say I've played all the numbered final fantasies and 
then we had like an existential crisis about like what counts as a mainline Final Fantasy because Final Fantasy is now a multimedia property that spans like the it's like Marvel or Disney, right? It's just this huge universe. So we we settled on what counts to say you have played a Final Fantasy is the first entry of the numbered games. And I would give someone a pass if they said, I'm not going to play the online ones, even though the online ones are designed to still be single player games. So Final Fantasy 10, but not Final Fantasy 10 2. Right. And Final Fantasy 13, but not 13 2 or 13 3 Lightning Returns. Right. So like, and we've already played those. So it's actually too late. But like, if someone said, oh, I want to do that, I would say you have to play 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, 15. Like, those are all of the single player offline numbered entries that are first in their series. Um, but because we are doing this like slightly expanded version, I'm playing Final Fantasy 14 right now, uh, which I will, I, I just started. I'm only, I don't know, like a week into it. So I will have lots more to say about that later. Uh, and I do actually have a loosely related thing for my main topic. Before we get to that, what are you playing? Why should I care? <laughs> Uh, so, so two main things. Uh, one of them is I am playing God of War four, right? You know, technically, the uh, God of War, the the first new one, the first new one, which yes. would be the fourth one. Yes, four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah. God of four. It's, it's you know, there's there's Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan, and then Star Trek: The Star Trek. <laughs> <you know? laughs> like, is the 2009 Star Trek was just Star Trek, and then there was Star Trek the motion picture which was the original you know so it's at some point oh god which which one are we talking about um which is funny because i was talking to a friend of mine from work and he was like oh yeah i just got done playing the first one i was like do you i'm pretty sure you mean the fourth one right he's like yeah the one for the ps4 and i was like right so the fourth one he's like it's the first one yeah he's like okay all right yeah fine i'm not trying to be pedantic i am trying to understand what it is you're about to say to me because they are such vastly different games like god of war and it's frustrating because the the three older games are canonical like the that story did lead up to the current story so it's not like oh they just rebooted it they did not reboot it at all no this is a this is a sequel not a prequel or reboot uh so anyways um but yeah because if somebody said you know oh i'm playing the first god of war i'd say for for the the playstation you know like and, and they and if they you know, said, yeah, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, we're about to have a much different conversation than I'm playing God of War from the PS4. You know, those are two very different. It, I'm glad to have both of them. But anyways, uh, so I have started playing God of War 4 um, because you 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 played it and because you played all of the God of Wars, right? I did. I even played the PSP one. Because mm. <laughs> I remember, so he, here's my nostalgia memories for most of this, right? Which is, I watched you play god of war and i was like ah, this doesn't really seem like my my cup of tea um but i do remember because it was the weekend where uh we had both we were both playing video games in the main room right we both had our own individual tv set up and then a tv in the middle playing anime nonstop. right uh it's glorious weekend but the one (laughs) one of the blips on the downside was i was playing uh final fantasy tactics and i was struggling with an area and you were also struggling with an area and we had been up for some time and your patience had worn thin and you failed your wisdom save. So I remember you turning to me and saying like, why in the 
fuck are you struggling with this, man? Uh, my game's legitimately hard. What's your excuse? And I was like, I don't know what so, I did to deserve this. So, <laughs> one, I remember that, and I'm sorry. And two, <laughs> two, what I now realize was so frustrating about that at the time haunts me because those things still creep in because I could tell you exactly what it was. It was this rotating tower where like crap shot out of the tower. And if it hit you, you fell down and you had to start the climb for the tower again. So you basically had to do a perfect, you know, climb of this, yeah, perfect this section climb, yeah. of the tower. Um, and I just, I don't love stuff like that. I find those kinds of like, <laughs> ah, you got to start over. Like not, that is that's not my favorite way. So you're saying the cycle time was bothering you? I'm saying bit? the cycle yeah. time was bothering me. <laughs> but but it's that like it's it's not being thrown back that bothers me as much as why i was thrown back right like it's what if you if you were going to sum this up in a phrase that a a young gamer might understand it would be the game's cheating like (laughs) i i hate moments that make me feel that way especially because as a grown-ass man i know no it's probably not like yes in the 80s it kind of was but like you know, we're long past, like they want you to succeed because they want you to then buy the next game in the franchise. Like they're not trying to take your quarters. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry. You didn't deserve that. No, no, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's entirely fine. Like, uh, um, because like I said, like that, that's my first memory of God of war, which is like, ah, oh, it sounds like this game might be a little frustrating from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> so I never really got into that series. Um, and so then, uh, but but the thing is, I played uh, the opening to God of War um, forever ago, and I was like, "This is hot! Like, this is a hot way to live." The the opening uh, t- just it, to me is is a masterclass of like both tutorial and like setting the scene because I remember, you know, you 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 open the door right, and Baldur's there, and you just tower over this dude right you know and uh and he's just kind of looks like a drunk moron and you're like look man you don't know what you're getting into like i'm the god of war here and then he knocks you halfway across like the 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 field and you're like oh whoa okay and so just like kratos is you like suddenly snap to attention and so you're sitting there and i'm like swinging on this dude and doing everything i can to, to 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 beat him up and i use my spartan rage i'm like yeah man i got him and then uh uh you know so i got like he's got a little bit of health left i'm like okay I've got a little bit of health left too, but I think I can finish him off. And then he just like stands over you and his wounds all heal and his health bar refills. And you're like, wait, that took everything I had. Like I was on the precipice of losing. What is going to happen now? And then they're like, ah, but you've got your Spartan rage. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. And then you drop like the giant like pillar on top of him, and you're like limping away. And you're like, oh man, dude, that was, that was rough. Like, I don't know if I could do. And then you hear it, him like pop up and like, come after you again and you're like no what and, and so all of the things that kratos was feeling i was feeling as the player and i'm like this this is awesome so and then for whatever reason just life happened and i just put it down you know and uh and so the thing that made me say like no i'm, I'm gonna play this is uh you know a, a a friend of mine from work who uh um you know he i i he, i've gotten him into D and he is way down the rabbit hole on that right you know <laughs> is he was just sitting in my office at one point and he said, uh, oh, I'm excited because Ragnarok's coming out. I was like, yeah, I, I started playing God of War 4 and then I just, you know, got through the intro. So it seemed really great. I just, you know, never really finished playing it. He just looked at me and said, you're a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> no additional follow-up. Yeah, bold strategy, Cotton. 
Yeah, right. You know, and I was just like, well, I mean, I, I don't really like the way that felt. So I'm going to go play this very well critically acclaimed game that was on my list anyway. So I have been playing um, God of War 4. Um, and I've got a couple of discussion topics on that. The other thing, too, is um, I, I'm currently at a hard stop on this one because uh, Teddy got grounded from video games for a little bit. And this was a game that we were playing together. But the Entropy Center, about, if I had to guess, I'm about halfway through that. Um, it's good, man. It's okay, good. so good it, should it, is it, should I just buy it? Because I, I have the demo and I played it and then I had to... I was involved in this big work project and I just straight up forgot about it. And then the other day you were like, blah, 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 entropy center. And I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Buy it. But, but buy it. It is, it is worth the money. Um, it's, it's so if portal is a 10, this is an eight, right? It is not as good as portal, but, you know, but still, I mean, but yeah, you being know, able, like it's, being it's, able to even be allowed on the field at the same time as portal <laughs> is a compliment. It's an honor just to be nominated. Yeah, right. It's just to be, be to be in the same category with such other acclaimed games like Portal, Portal Two, multiplayer so anyways, Portal uh, Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, end of list. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it, and it scratches the same itch for sure. Um, and so there, there's some some interesting things that the game does that again I have for like topics and stuff. But uh, uh, what I said is basically it's a lower end Portal. It scratches the same itch. Um, the thing that I think is fascinating about it, though, is that I think it is inherently harder than Portal um, because I think the nature of the mechanic is more difficult for humans to wrap their minds around. Or at least I, I know for sure it is more difficult for me, but I would make the argument, at least right now, that having a temporal puzzle is more difficult than having a spatial one, you know? Oh, I agree. And and I felt... Because I, I think I put like an hour into the demo, maybe. Um, and I, I felt like, oh, a couple of these baby babies first puzzles are sort of making me lean back in my chair and be like, okay, I think I have to do this and then this. And then I would do it. <laughs> and I would be like, no, wait, I was thinking for three seconds. And what I really needed was six seconds, right? So it's like I would get there eventually, but it felt like it took more th- upfront thought and then more iteration to actually arrive at the solution. Whereas in Portal, it was usually like, Oh, okay. I need to be here and I need that to be there and bop, 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 bop. And then sometimes the execution was tough, but solving the puzzle was usually not where I was just like, what am I doing? Right. Yeah. With Portal, sometimes like once every five rooms, I'd like sit down and I'd be like, okay, this, then this, and then I got to grab this, you know, so a portal here, you know, and it would take me a couple minutes, but you know, this one, the, the one mind trick that I had because the, I guess fortunate or unfortunate thing is that I did not have the luxury of just being lost in my thoughts on the puzzle because I was doing it with Teddy. So I had to not only think it through, but then see if I could then distill how I was thinking and then teach it, you know? So it's like the the best way to learn a thing is to teach. And it's like the really best way to learn a thing is while you're learning it to be teaching it, you know? <laughs> but it right as well. the, the, the mantra I said to Teddy is, um, it's so it's in reverse order. So I said like, wherever you need it last, put it first and then walk it backwards. You know? So I was like, so where, where's the last place you need the block? He's like, well, the last place I need the block is here because it opens the door. I'm like, okay, where's the next to last place you need the block? Well, I need it here to open this other door. I'm like, and then where's the place before that you need it? He's like, okay, I need it here. I'm like, then that's the order in which you place it. And then you reverse time. 
Um, but then some of them get and and the one other thing I'll say about the game uh, that <laughs> um, I was playing with Teddy and I got frustrated. I was like, ah, oh, that was that was garbage. And he said, you know, why? And I said, the game is relying on nuance in its engine that it doesn't have, you know. So there have been a handful of times, very, very, very few times, but we're like, um, the game will say, do this thing. And it's like, you're, yes, I am struggling with this, but your engine isn't made for this type of thing. You know, because there's a couple of times where they actually need you to react relatively quickly to stuff. And I'm like, you're, you're, the, the fuzziness on, so like, something will be like coming at you and you have to point your reverse time gun at it, your entropy gun and shoot the thing. But the, the, they're not giving you enough fuzziness or enough aim assist. So I'm like, the point of this game is it's a puzzle game, not a first person shooter. Give me more aim assist. So sometimes they'll do that where I'm like, no, no, that one wasn't me. That was, that was you game. You, you did not do this. Well, I don't think the the good news for something like that is supremely tweakable, right? Like, they could patch the game and just be like, okay, the aim assist is a little better or the aim assist is a little better just in these circumstances where we know more aim assist helps this experience feel better. Right. So like that's, it's not that the core concept isn't broken. Their execution of the core concept isn't broken. doesn't mean they will go back and fix those things, but it's, it's nice to know it is fixable. Like if we aren't allowed to own cartridges anymore and your digital games could be taken away at any moment by evil corporations and nothing is permanent. Then uh, <laughs> it's nice to say like, well, at least they can patch out the bugs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's nothing that I've seen. It's like fundamentally flawed about like the, the puzzles where I was like, Oh no, this was, this was the, and the nice thing too, living in the age that we live in is that if you do get really stuck on the puzzle to the point where you're becoming frustrated, you can just look at the solution online. You know, it's very, they're very findable, you know? So there was one room where I was like, I just, I honest to God don't know what the hell they want me to do. And I looked at the solution. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. All right, fine. You know, like I, I thought I needed to bring this box with me, but instead if I put it over here, then yes, it does the thing I needed to do. All right. Understood. Oh, and the one other thing I'll say that it, that it makes it a negative. So again, worth playing. I I am enjoying it. But it makes it negative compared to Portal is that generally with Portal, um, you know, if you screw something up, you can reset the whole thing in, you know, relatively fast, relatively quickly, right? But if you make a order of operations mistake in this, it could take, you know, another 30 seconds to a minute to set it back up, you know? So if you do... Right, because you have to physically move everything back in place and then start the dance again. Right. Now, they do have a reset the puzzle button, but if you have to place it on pad A, then B, then C, then D, then E, you then have to go, even if you hit reset on the puzzle, and if you do A, then C, then B, then D, then whatever, then, you know, and and the thing is that, like, you're, like, at the end, ready to solve the puzzle, and then you see it go (laughs) the wrong place, you're like, oh, no, wait, so you have to go back, reset the puzzle, go put it on all the things in the right order, you know, so it it the, the the cycle time can be a little bit worse. Just and again, it's not. I don't think that it's the puzzle master's problem. I think it is inherent to the mechanic. You know, so I think that somebody said, "I really love Portal and I want to play more Portal. How can I do that?" And then somebody said, "Like, well, I mean, you can't use the same Portal gimmick because that's Portal's thing." It's like, well, what if we did time instead? It's like, eh, great idea. Let's do that. And it's like, yeah, but just putting in a new gimmick means that there are some other things that are just now inherent about this gimmick. Because we are three-dimensional beings who see fourth-dimensional cross-sections in time. And until that changes, 
in, in which case when it does god help us all <laughs> there's a uh there's a portal 2 mod that adds a third green time portal um i've never played it but uh when we were playing uh portal and portal 2 uh, i remember seeing people talking about like what are the best mods for portal games and that one kept coming up and i just remember thinking like i don't i don't know if i trust like my desire to play something that i know has the potential to be very frustrating and i can't place a certain amount of confidence in the creators because this is like a a hobbyist mod project which I mean, no knocks against like indie developers and people who create mods like some of them, a lot of I mean, the original portal was like a PhD project that then Valve was like, we want that. And then they were like, let's make this into a real game. Right. So like it's not that you have to work for a studio to be professional caliber, but I know that I can get very frustrated by a puzzle game and I would be I would have a harder time enjoying a puzzle game where I was like, I don't know how much playtesting this got. I don't know how much like collaboration happened on this. Like maybe this makes sense in the creator's mind, but if they did it and then they just tossed it out onto like nexusmods.com, then maybe the solution to this sucks and I'm not going to feel satisfied when I have to look up the YouTube video and I find out there aren't any YouTube videos because this is like a small mod by an indie creator. So, you know, like I just never got into the modding portal to do more portal scene because i was like i want more portal but i want it to come from valve <laughs> like i trust them to produce portal in a in a level of quality that i want well it's like the 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 fda sticker right you know it's not that it's not that you can't eat something from somebody's own homegrown farm but like one of the things that whenever somebody would say to me like hey man you want some moonshine i'd say no and they're like <laughs> why and i'm like because that that person may or may not know what they're doing and i'm not risking my eyesight on it you know like th- this is a very very high risk for a very very low reward They're like but it's so strong i'm like i'll just drink more whiskey you know like <laughs> you, you can I, buy strong alcohol that's been approved yeah you know it's called it's called 151 man you know but <laughs> yeah so there's one uh that and two i everything you just said goes on 100 with mario maker you know Ooh, i actually i have a this may also become after show content, but I, <laughs> I want to talk to you about Mario Maker at some point. Okay. Yeah, because like literally at one point, Megan and I were watching a video on Mario Maker and she goes like, oh, you know, do you think that that's worth getting? I was like, oh, emphatically no. Because <laughs> <laughs> because of what I said is I was like, literally some people go on there to make stuff that is just hard for the sake of hard, you know? And I was like, I don't know enough about it, but here's the thing is that if I get angry at this game, which I inevitably will, one, I don't want that at all because that's not why I play video games. I literally just got done playing uh, Towerfall Ascension with Teddy. Ooh, and, uh, classic. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they kind of like revamped it and, and whatever. But, you know, we got through the first nine chambers, you know, and uh, and then we we moved on. to and I, and I thought the game was done, you know, but it was not. It was the first of three books, you know, and we played the next book. And I said, ah, we're done with this game because... The, the degree of difficulty that we have now encountered surpasses my desire to become good at this game, you know? And so that, but with, I, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel frustrated with a video game. That's, uh, that's what work is for. Um, so <laughs> I say all of that to say that uh, with Mario Maker is I was like, but if I were to get frustrated with it, I need to know that there is a whole team of 
systematically incompetent people that I can be mad at. I want to be mad at a company, not at an individual, because really then it's me. Like I'm just screaming into the void and I really then have to be mad at me and I don't want to be mad at me. You know, I want to be mad at a company. So that. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a really good donkey video where he plays through like the hardest Mario Maker levels. Those are hilarious. Those like, are Megan amazing. and I watch this all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the I think the longest one took him something like seven straight hours. Yes. Of practicing, and the and he says right in the video like they must have really beaten this because you can't upload a level that you yourself did not finish, and that's that's an incredibly tall order, right? To put up levels that other professional video game players are like, I don't, I don't know how you would even begin to do this. It's like, <laughs> but you know, it was beaten at least once. At least once. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, they, they, actually that, that was what prompted Megan and I to discuss Mario maker was the, all the donkey videos, which are just brilliantly and hilariously edited, you know, um, like the, uh, one of my favorite ones is the world one one with a twist you know oh, and it's... all the crazy fire <laughs> yeah. i don't, I don't get of... it this is just regular mario one one I, I know don't you don't you understand i beat bowser's big bean burrito like that's the kind of person <laughs> that you're talking about here but then at the end of that like whole video he's like oh there are no goombas you know <laughs> just like, that, that was it but uh yeah discussion topics man so since I'm playing Final Fantasy 14, I decided this is a good time to finally talk about Final Fantasy 8. So I want to complain about this game because literally we have a few people in, in our community who watched me play through some of this game on Twitch and who had to listen to me complain about it on the internet. And I, I want to talk about the the thing that I think is the central thing that they legitimately screwed up. Okay. Because the the, the sword gun. This is the one with the sword gun, right? The gun blade? Yes. 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 <laughs> Which is like the most, one of, if not the most impractical weapon I've ever seen. Yeah. So, uh, oh God, where, oh, I was, you know what? I was visiting family and uh, we went to a museum and they had this whole armory uh, wing and in the armory wing, they had a pistol, like a flintlock pistol that had a permanently attached bayonet. And I was just like, oh my God. Oh my it's god. Happening. It's a gun blade. <laughs> I mean, of course, the gun part and the blade part don't interact the way they do in the Final Fantasy VIII universe, where pulling the trigger makes the blade blade harder. But you know, it like guns with it, technically it's a sword where the handle is a gun. Like those were real things. They're just so nightmarishly stupid they did not survive very long into history, but they did actually exist, which is you know, humans. Anyway, uh, I was going to say just real, real, real fast side side story that I think you'll appreciate is I was talking to our, our mutual friend and uh, he uh, had gone mad with his 3D printer, um, just mad with power. Right. You know, so uh, he was like, I want to print stuff. What what kind of stuff do you want printed? And I'm like, I don't know, man, just make make stuff like I'll I'll, I'll take stuff. But then he said, like, because, you know, we 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 both fancy weapons. Right. And uh, he said, you know, well, do you think like like maybe like a, a like a, a, a bracer, but it has like a sword that comes out of it like. Do you think that'd be helpful? I was like, as an assassination weapon, but not one to like go into combat with. And he's like, well, maybe this type of weird thing or this type of weird thing. I said, since humans have had rocks, we have been finding ways to kill each other. You're not going to find a new way to do that tonight. You know, like sword technology has been around for some time. We've kind of perfected it, you know? So like, 
So to your point, right, is when somebody's like, oh, man, they had this awesome thing in Final Fantasy 14. It's like this specialty weapon. It's like, I bet you it's impractical in real life. It bet you it looks really cool. And there's all sorts of cool stuff in Final Fantasy. But in the real world, I bet you it doesn't work because we would then have it and it wouldn't be in Final Fantasy. It would just be a, the, the, the new hotness. You know, my favorite example of that is because this is a thing that really exists. It's just that popular culture has completely ruined everyone's perceptions of it. Uh, Boomerangs. mm. The whole point of a boomerang is not, oh, it comes back and then you can attack again. No, it came back because you missed. Like if it strikes the target, it doesn't still return to you. It's (laughs) it's not friggin Captain America's shield. Right. So like boomerangs are a real thing that real Aussies really used well I guess they would have been aboriginals before Australia um but you know they they really did hunt with and in so many video games there's like you know the ringed blade or the you know the bladed tri spear thing that looks sort of like a giant cow drop and you throw it and it hits the enemy and then returns to you and no no none of that because that would that's essentially a gun with unlimited ammo like wh- why would everyone not use that all the time oh because it makes no goddamn sense so it it functions exactly like a sword because it has to otherwise the logic of the universe falls apart <laughs> exactly but sorry you were saying about final fantasy 8 yeah so here is what i think they actually got catastrophically wrong um cuz it i mean i could rip on the story and i probably will at some point and i could rip on like other weird choices they made that didn't age well like uh weird camera things and like weird cutscene things because it was like it was the ps1 it was all new and wooshy wooshy right so like but that that stuff is fine like i can put on my nostalgia goggles and say like this is a ps1 game no big deal i could put on my my i like jrpg goggles and just be like the story is terrible but i'm gonna just roll with it right here's what i think they actually got wrong in final fantasy writ large uh like most rpgs you have levels and you have equipment right and so the ways your avatar gets stronger is you gain levels which raises your stats and you put on better equipment which either raises your stats or gives you abilities or whatever right that's pretty much all rpgs everywhere right (laughs) you know east and west right tabletop and computer in final fantasy 8 they dropped the equipment, which is good because it's like, okay, this isn't about equipment, but they added in this idea of the guardian forces. So basically you equip a summon and then you draw magic out of enemies and you pair that magic to your stats. And that's what raises your stats, which would be a perfectly fine way to do it, except they kept the levels and levels in final fantasy eight are meaningless. If you have a level 99 character that doesn't have any magic junctioned to your stats, you, you will die in like a single hit. You will have no hit points. You will have be able to inflict no damage. You will have no defense. Like you will be a complete baby. Nothing. The levels are there (laughs) as this, like, well, because you're supposed to have levels. It's a final fantasy. Like characters have levels. So, That was confusing because I kept thinking levels mattered and that I needed to care about that. And not only do they not matter, the designers know that the levels don't matter because the enemies scale with your level, which you don't know. Like 
I know because I know that that's happening in the background, but they don't tell you, at least I don't think so. They don't tell you in the game world. Oh, by the way, grinding for levels is irrelevant. So like, well, or worse, because if you, sorry to to make sure I'm understanding properly, if you grind for levels, then you will be fighting more powerful things. But if you don't have the equipment, the summon to offset that problem, you could actually paint yourself into a corner. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In a a manner of speaking, you could. So the good news is, is the stuff you need to get to make yourself more powerful is pretty much universally accessible. Every monster with a couple exceptions, but generally every single monster you interact with has some kind of magic. And so you can draw out that magic and then you can junction it to stats. And now you are more powerful, right? So they did this kind of interesting push and pull thing where you can, so say like, you equip fire to your strength, right? So you're like, I want to hit harder. So I'm going to equip fire because that's a damage dealing spell to strength. And now I can hit harder. But oh no, this enemy is weak against fire. Should I cast fire on it? And that would be a really interesting push and pull. Like, well, if I do this to defeat this one enemy quickly, I am now permanently a little bit weaker until I have an opportunity to draw more fire. And maybe none of the enemies in here have fire because I'm in like an ice cavern or something. So like, do I want to essentially turn this permanent resource of stats modification into a temporary resource? Super cool idea, except the way they did the, (laughs) the math is it is never, ever, ever advantageous to cast the spells ever. Everyone is a fighter. A hundred percent of characters are fighters because you just get whatever the most powerful magic available is. You junction it to strength and then you just punch everything to death. Like you, your stats are so ridiculously augmented by having powerful magic junction to them that there is zero incentive for anyone, even the people who canonically are supposed to be spellcasters to ever cast spells. And so what I ended up, once I understood how the systems work, is I said, okay, when I go into a new area, the first time I fight an enemy that I've never fought before, I just drain them of all of their essence so that I now, because you could hold a hundred of every spell. So I now have a hundred of this spell and I junction it to whatever stat it is best suited for because, you know, different spells for different stats. And then you just punch your way through the rest of the dungeon, not thinking twice about anything, which creates a really unfun feedback loop. Like it's just, you get into an area, you drain magic, you power up, you punch your way through, you get to the cutscene, and then you go off to the next place and you do that, which is, so it's, it's the longest page turn ever, right? Because you, you already know exactly what's going to go down. You just didn't have to do it to get to the next part of the story. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the combat loses all of its fascination for me. Well, right, right. And I assume that there's also some substantial ludonarrative dissonance when you've got your, you know, lithe elven mage just like slugging through people with their now iron fists. You know, it's like, well, that wasn't that that isn't that don't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, the, the main so the characters are all because of the way the the mechanics of the universe work. Everyone is a combatant and a spellcaster and a healer and, 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 right. Because like anybody can use magic, anybody can, uh, you know, junction to their stats and be, uh, an attacker or whatever. So 
but you have characters who it's like, oh, Squall, you know, the main guy with the stupid gun. He's like, oh, he's the big tough guy. And then, you know, Renoa, whatever the love interest, she's like this dainty little princess who's like kind of spunky. And she is literally a princess. And she is like kind of spunky and she wants to go get the bad guys. But she's learning that the world is more complicated than she thought. But you can also junction flare to her strength and send her into battle and have her do four nines damage on every single punch. And it's like, uh huh. <laughs> it just, I, I, I cannot stress enough that with a story as weak as final fantasy eight story is sorry, <laughs> people who love final fantasy eight story. It's the dumbest one. It is no question. The dumbest <laughs> one, but to then take the, mechanical fun out of it to take the mechanical fun out of it as someone who enjoys turn-based jrpg combat right like not everybody likes that and that's fine but i mean i played all the way through final fantasy one two which is also really weird and three and four and five which is surprisingly good and i should have played it a long time ago and six and seven <laughs> which all have turn-based you know pick your move punch 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 and then the enemy punches you and then you select from a menu again a lot of people hate that kind of gameplay. You hate that kind of gameplay. I do. <laughs> and I totally donkey <laughs> hates that kind of gameplay. I totally get it. But this is that somehow drained out of its last little bit of <laughs> enjoyment. And I don't, I don't understand what the designers thought they were going for. And I don't understand what the defenders of these mechanics think is happening because they say, Oh man, but the systems are super breakable. And I'm like, yes, but you could just go buy a game shark and, and break the game. Like there's nothing about this game that makes you feel clever for breaking its systems. Right. You're, you're not, you're not uh, like finding a solution to a puzzle that nobody else was clever enough to think of. You just gathered up all of the souls. You're, you're like invader Zim, right? You just fill yourself with organs and now you are <laughs> the most human because you're filled with organs. Yeah, no, it's the, uh, um, I mean, it's it's just the exemplar of players will optimize the fun out of your game, you know, where it's, I'm sure that there are a bunch of like, cool, like you said, cool, interesting ways that you could, you know, interact with these mechanics. But there is one very clear first order optimal strategy that never fails. So it, well, it, and, it's and worse at about the 80% mark, the first order optimal strategy becomes the only viable strategy. Like the game is not unbeatable without doing what I just said, but it would be so hard in the end game, <laughs> just so hard. So it's, I, I think, and, and this will be where I end this insane ramble that I've been on. I think what happened is the designers had this idea of creating this push and pull between being able to cast and being able to have more powerful stats and they were like, okay, we're going to create this interesting relationship where the player decides how strong do I want my avatar to be and how much do I want to use my resources by making those things the same resource pool. And then either, you know, designed by committee or momentum from earlier games or whatever, but they just kind of chickened out and they were like, well, but I mean, we'll still have levels, right? Like, oh yeah, we'll still have levels. And it's like, well, but you can still like call the summon, right? Like they're not just there thematically. Like you can use them in combat and and they're like sort of your, your big problem solver. Yeah, no, of course we're still going to have summons. And it's like, <laughs> right. But if you, 
make this gigantic tweak to this one system and then you keep all the other ancillary systems, but now they're pointless and nobody cares about them. Then you've really watered down your core. Hey, look, we have a neat new idea. So I, I think that's what probably happened. They wanted to try something new and either, you know, for, for whatever the sad reason was, they didn't fully commit and it created this kind of experience that I just <laughs> do not understand why people defend it yeah it's the uh i think morty said it well which is that there's joyful and joyless and we've had enough of one (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah no that that all that all that sounds terrible um although i did uh i was singing final fantasy X's praises recently uh just because what's the name of the dude who's got like his arm in the sling until he gets his (sighs) huge sword out it's not Sauron, but it's it's like Sorin, like it's close to Sauron. Yeah, something like that. But anyways, is uh, you know, the 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 thing that he said one of his my favorite lines was uh, you know, so many people's stories ended today, but yours didn't. Why is that? You know? Like it's like, yeah, man, cuz every you always think you're the protag until uh, you know, until you get punched in the face, right? Um Anyways, all oh, this crap. It is, it is actually S A U R O N. Oh, Sauron. Yeah, cool. Sauron. <laughs> yeah, no, he was cool. He was a he was a fantastic character. <laughs> so one thing. Um, wait, so, so wait. It no, sorry. This is someone. This is a different thing. It's R N. I thought it started it's with an A. A U R O N. I yes. really thought it started with an A, but you, you sound so confident with like the Sauron thing. I was like, I mean, you, you played it more than me. I think Sorry, I got that, through it once. This, this is what live research got to. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, so one of the things that, that I figure we can, I, uh, one of my discussion topics is, uh, so actually God of War and um, Entropy Center both have something in common. Go on. And uh, and and I, I'll give you thirty seconds to guess what it is. Ooh, uh, just not make it drawn out. You know? they, yeah, they they don't both have big, muscular, bearded protagonists. Um, no, that's the big reveal, it's, it's like, <laughs> right? That's who's behind. Is it's Kratos behind the gun the whole time? Uh, rah, 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 rah. Um, God, Entropy Center and God of War thing they have in common. Uh, they're both a, like. They both take place in a world that's decaying and people who are railing against that fact. Kinda. Um, yeah, is that they both use in media res storytelling. So for the audience, go ahead and explain that. <laughs> Obviously, right, right. Yeah. Yes. yes so of in media Yes, yes. Uh in media res is is in the middle of, right? Or or in in the middle. So basically it's it's whenever the story picks up in the middle of a large of, of like the large story right so typically that's used um a bioshock is like a great example of it you know but where so in the entropy center you wake up and the whole entropy center has just been taken apart you know like some something terrible has happened and you're in the middle of dealing with this terrible thing and you're slowly trying to figure out what that is you know and like i would make the argument that god of war is the same way and the fact that it just kind of takes up in the middle of like you know you have a kid and you're trying to, you know, like, like your wife just died and, and all of these things have happened and the gods are after you and there's a lot going on, but you're just kind of like in the middle of it, you know, as opposed to, uh, it's, it's not um, Kratos in, begins. You're already Kratos. 
right you're already kratos and you're in the mid you're now in the middle of this new snapshot of his life as opposed to take like the last of us where i would make the argument that that's less in media red storytelling because you get to see kind of like the main beginning part of like the whole pandemic and you see how joel's story gets started and then um you know he you see him meet ellie you see like all of this isn't spoon fed to you after you go into it so i say all of that to say that um i think that in media res storytelling is used a lot in video games but it and it kind of then gets linked to this other thing which is like mystery box storytelling right which is to say like there's there's a a twist there's a thing going on you know there's a big secret that you don't know what it is and a lot of the intrigue in the game is trying to figure out that secret you know and so I kind of wanted to get your feelings on, do you feel that that's overused in video games? Because it is just everywhere, you know? And it's, it's honestly easier, in my opinion, to point out games that don't use this technique than ones that do. <laughs> yeah. Um, should I assume we are limiting this to, like, narrative-driven games? Yeah, sure. Okay. And, and the only reason I ask that is because one of the benefits you have as a player of video games is and and i i mentioned this because i said i played near and and starred god of war ragnarok kind of back to back is like i didn't have to do that right like i created an opportunity to feel oversaturated by accident um sure but i think you're probably right and if i had to speculate i would say the reason they do that is because they want you to start with a certain amount of like avatar strength, right? Like every medal of honor and call of duty game starts with you already being a competent soldier. Right. Right. And then the, the controls allow you to do things that a competent soldier would be able to do. And then by the end, you are an even better soldier, right? It would be, probably less fun although i guarantee you there's a game out there somewhere like this if it was like okay you just graduated from high school and you're walking through the gymnasium at the job fair and the asshole from the marines says that one thing about your father that really gets to you and you're like yeah i'll show him and you enlist in the marines but you're like kind of a dumpy 17 year old right like nobody wants to play the call of duty game that starts there even though it would have like this much longer you know, character development arc that might be very narratively interesting. That's not what the vast majority of people are are seeking out. And so if you're going to start in the middle of the story, the character already has some knowledge. The, the world around them is filled with characters that already have some knowledge, which means that story writers are incentivized to then rely on that mystery thing because you're not coming in fresh faced. You already have a bunch of experience, but we need some sort of conclusion that is new and novel for the character. And the best way to do that is by having it come out of left goddamn field. <laughs> yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. So, and I think that, you know, obviously stories can be told where like, like not every story starts with like the person was born. It's not, not everyone is uh, inside out. Right. Uh, but like, you know, so take, take the, the, the hobbit right you know the hobbit starts where it's like oh well you know you see the character you get to know them then you see the call to adventure you see the refusal of the call you see and i guess that's probably it is is the call did the call to adventure happen off screen before the game started right right and if the answer is yes Yes. then you're you're in the middle of it yeah pretty much and so so the thing is that uh so the 
the reason why I say that though is that you're correct in the sense that um that I believe that most of the uh the, the reason why this is used is because what they don't want is um well like take like Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, right? What they don't want is a a whole sloggy section of it where it's like hey link go find your shield hey go find this hey go do it's like okay fine yeah i i I get it you know like i all right all right all right you know i don't i don't need all of that i want to start off in the action where so then if you're looking at you know um you know god of war it's just kind of like all right so what's going on well uh, a guy shows up and is beating you up for reasons deal with that and but now you're in the action that's why so i think for the difference between a a action movie or uh, and and like an action video game is that they they want you in the thick of it immediately, you know. I do feel though that uh, I feel that a lot of the times, like the the big reveal, I, to me, is just kind of overplayed, you know. Um, because I I think I don't get me wrong, I love the tickling that that it does in my brain as I'm going through. It's like, oh, what what, what do you think is going on? In this why are they after Kratos? What is it, the information that he has that Balder wants and all this sort of stuff? You know, I, I, I want to know, so I keep playing the video game, right? But again, I think that you know, whereas if you look to The Last of Us, which was, in my opinion, you know, the masterpiece, right? Um, it was very clear what the goal was the entire time you know like you you get get ellie from point a to point b and then the journey of doing that and seeing all of humanity and seeing joel evolve over time and and having that character driven arc i think was was incredibly satisfying and then there's the minor twist at the end that no one knew but like it just it just brought into uh um focus everything that had been done in the storytelling so far so it wasn't the like we got to figure out how to find this cure. It's like, no, you're just going from point A to point B. She has the cure. That's what's going on, you know? So, yeah, I feel that that mystery box storytelling is kind of used more more regularly now. And I think that's a big gamble because um, what if it doesn't pay off well, you know? And so now it feels like the whole thing was a waste of time. Like you open the mystery box and all there was was a little gift that just plays the sad trombone sound you know (laughs) right so you know so like if you build your entire story behind what's in the box and if what's in the box is disappointing or doesn't make perfect sense or doesn't drive with the stories or the themes or anything like that well now it it feels like everything else is a waste as opposed to if you just say like no man here's the characters here are their motivations here's what they're trying to do and it's about the journey and how they did it not you know but who is the man behind the mask? It was his mother the entire time. And it's like, wait, what? So I didn't need that. That's, I think, where the difference lies for me is, you know, spoilers for the end of The Last of Us. Um, you know, Joel gets there. And then when he finds out that to make the cure, they have to kill Ellie. He decides, nah, I'm, uh, I'm actually not all about that. And then he kills the doctors and saves Ellie, right? And then lies to her about it. And that's like where the where the game ends. Ah, so good. But I think the it, it it is an amazing ending. I think the difference between that and a bad thing is when it is revealed that they have to cut Ellie's brain out to study it, there's nothing surprising at that point, at that moment, about Joel's reaction, right? Because the entire game made it very clear 
how his relationship with her was evolving, how he was kind of using her as a surrogate daughter because his real daughter died. And even though that's not terribly healthy and he is trying to fight that urge, he ends up not being able to. And so when the, by the way, we're going to kill her thing comes up, his reaction while surprising for his overall objective up to that point is not surprising, like logically or emotionally, right? When you find out at the end of uh, God of War that the real God of War is the friends we made along the way, that's not really, I'm not going to ruin it for you. But like, <laughs> yeah. you know, if if you found out at the end of God of War, like where they point into the camera and they're like, you're dumb because you didn't figure this thing out or ha ha, there was this information you didn't have. And you're like, well, I guess I didn't figure it. I didn't know that the murderer was really the the guy's mother wearing a mask because it was Atreus the whole time. Yeah, yeah, Atreus was the real god of war. I mean, whatever stupid thing. Like, if they pull something like that and they don't, but if they pulled something like that, that wouldn't feel satisfying because you wouldn't be able to not only could you have not predicted it, but when it happens, it doesn't feel logically and emotionally um, consistent. Yeah. Right. So I think a good mystery box twist isn't right. Like where a, the scenario or the situation is what's surprising, but not how it plays out. Right. It, it turning out that you were leading Ellie to her death. That's the surprise, but how everyone reacts to that situation feels completely consistent and, and like, Oh, if I had known we were leading her to her death, then I could have predicted Joel's reaction. The thing I didn't know was that I was leading her to her death, right? If you found out you were leading her to her death and then Joel is like, well, I'm taking the first cut. And he like dresses up like that Norman Rockwell Thanksgiving painting and starts carving <laughs> into Ellie's head. You'd be like, what the f- is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, agreed. And I think that the main thing is that the, the reveal at the end that, you know, Ellie has to die in order to get the cure, right? Isn't a black mystery box of like what was in the box. Cause again, we, that would have been teased before then because you have to, Know that the box exists in order for there to be a mystery box. To me, that is very in keeping with the rest of the storytelling, which is it's another obstacle, right? Because the whole game's about like all of the obstacles that are in your way to get to your goal, right? And then all of a sudden it turns out that the goal that you were working towards wasn't really your goal because the real goal was having a daughter, right? You know, and actually, um, and I I don't think I've said this on the show. I I know I've said to you, which is that to me, one of the reasons why the last of us is always like when somebody says, what's best video game. I'm like the last of us, you know, Um, is, you know, the the game, like mechanically it plays well. It it does so many things very, very well, but what it does, I think is very important with video games is that um, if you had asked me at the beginning of the video game, like, Hey, uh, there's a guy who isn't willing to give up the life of his circuit daughter to save humanity. I'd say, that is objectively the wrong call. Like, like you could save millions or billions of lives. I can't, I can't understand that decision, right? Like so many lives could be saved for the cost of one. Like it, it's, it's math, right? Um, especially because I didn't have kids at the time, right? But then at the <laughs> end of the game, at the end of the game, I understood why Joel made the decision that he made. Like it emotionally made sense to me, which means that it caused me to empathize with somebody that, you know, has a different life, right? Than I do. And I'm like, building empathy is i think one of the most important things video games can do because they pull you off of the sidelines they put you in the main in the driver's seat and they say drive this car right so i think all that's very important but 
I do think that a lot of the times, like I said, is that, you know, the reason why I bring it up is I'm a little, I'm interested uh, in the, uh, the entropy center because you wake up and the entropy center looks like absolute crap. Right. And, uh, and there are all of these little uh, uh, computer kiosks, right. They have like emails between people that kind of the fallout three method of story delivery. Yeah, pretty much, right? But each one kind of has like a thing where you're like, oh, maybe that's this other thing. And oh, what's going on with this? Like, one of the things that they say that I think is really interesting is it's like an email from HR. It's kind of saying, you know, like, uh, next week will be, uh, um, uh, I don't know if I can share this with you. Play some more of the game. We'll discuss it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, I say all that, though, to say that uh, I realize that the main, one of the main draws of that game is what the hell happened, right? You know, like that's, one of the main like I'm solving the puzzles because I like solving the puzzles, but the main thing that's driving me to solve the puzzles is like I, I want to know what's in the box, right? And that so I I just kind of realized as I was going through that that I'm like this section of my brain is actually getting tickled way more often, in my opinion, nowadays than what I'm used to ten years ago. And I was like, oh, this actually kind of does seem more common. I think with the growth of narratively driven games, right? Because now that we have all the technologies, we can do that better, right? the growth of narratively driven games and the fact that they want to get you in the action immediately. They're like, well, there's a way we can tell stories that does that is we do in meteor res. We have a big black box of like, what the hell happened before now? And then we can, you know, make a video game that, that goes around that. And it's like, cool, but maybe not all the time guys. Yeah. And I, I do, I think that is part of what, and I, I never thought about it this way before. So I, I'm speaking a little bit out of my ass, but <laughs> I, I think that is part of, why I still enjoy the JRPG trope of like teenagers grow up and kill God because <laughs> it, it is, like you do. it is sort of fun to start with the completely powerless, completely unremarkable nobodies who are chosen to be the warriors of light and who grow up and kill God because it it is, there is something different and not necessarily better or worse, but different to like, I am already great. There's just this one mystery I have to uncover, right? It's it's not a better or worse kind of storytelling. It's just a different kind of storytelling. And it does give your brain a little bit of a break to not <laughs> constantly engage with exclusively the same type of storytelling. Like we, we talked ad nauseum about how incredible portal and portal two are, but for all of the greatness that is portal two. I think the one thing I said, it barely threaded the needle on is it's a lot longer than portal, right? Portal is just this incredibly nutrient dense little, you know, bite-sized meal. And you, and you wouldn't only want to play games that are 90 minutes long ever, but it is really nice saying there's no fat. This is a hundred percent high quality protein. Like I could live (laughs) off of this, but I just probably shouldn't, right? I should also like sometimes actually get the cake, even though the cake is not that good for me. Sometimes I just want to play Super Mario World, you know? And and the the all powerful, you know, one last mystery remaining, you know, how did this thing get destroyed? You know, who is my brother's killer, whatever. Like that's great. And you can tell amazing stories like that, but but they're not the only stories. Right. Exactly. And and so when when I uh and uh, so do you do you have any other big things you want to touch on? Nah, bro, take us out. Yep. So basically the, the I think that the 
moral of the story that when I was kind of looking at this was, uh, you know, you, you, you find a tool that does the job and then you use it. And so when you're a hammer, every problem's a nail. The curtain falls. The music plays. The credits roll. Then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent traversing the land. Battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand. Your memories creep in with the edge of a smile. 